Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. You ever notice how the the beer or whatever you reward yourself with tastes so much better on a day where you've really earned it? That's what I'm talking about. There's an objective truth to earning what you get, to earning value. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. The discomfort many of us have around money shows up in different ways. Now that we have a model for what money actually is, it's natural to start trying to apply it. As we clarify and further understand money, we become more facile with it. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Money from Burden to Freedom course, available at clearandopen.com, or the course site, courses.clearandopen.com. Again, that's courses.clearandopen.com. I offer a weekly member webcast, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Have any of you ever lost a a good chunk of money, you know, through a business deal or a bad debt or whatever? And amazingly, a lot of it comes back in ways you didn't predict at all. Right? How does that work? Well, what happened was you lost the representation of money. But the, the, what that's, those symbols were representing was not nearly as much eroded, so it came back. That's how it works. Maybe it didn't all come back, but a lot of it just sort of comes back because, because that, it's a symbol of value. It's an energetic symbol of value, so it's, it can't be touched as directly as we think. feels like someone was going to say something. Questions, comments so far? Yeah. Forgive me for perhaps over-intellectualizing, but are you saying that like people with less money are like energetically inferior in some way? Like I, Great I question. have a problem that like I sort of tense up when I hear like value for equal value or peaceful exchange because I look I look to a lot of empirical examples of where it's not equal and it's not peaceful. And yeah. money is a tool of exploitation in a lot of situations. And I would say in the vast majority of situations. It um, can be used that way, yes, because it's so neutral. But that's not essentially what it is. is did money exist before currency? Oh, that's a killer question. <laughs> Zach, that's the best question you've ever asked. <laughs> yes. Well, how do I say this? Before there was money, it was reciprocity. It was trade, right? So like 
you would do something for your neighbor and they wouldn't pay you for it because they didn't know what paying meant and there was no money, right? But that that neighbor would feel indebted to you. It's a feeling, right? There's a feeling of social reciprocity. So what I would say is, you it's not wouldn't be really accurate to call that money, but there was an energetic exchange of value that created a sense of imbalance so that the neighbor would then look for opportunities to do something for you. So there was sort of a sloshing of value from one side to the other that would have induced that neighbor to do something for you. And then it would slosh back. And that's what, you know, in primitive societies, that's their money system. It's a sort of energetic reciprocity, not, not just in primitive, but we have that in our own social structure. If you buy about, someone dinner, yeah. you know, they're going to, in a few weeks later, they're probably going to want to do the same for you. You know, that's just how it works. What about theft? Right? Like if I steal a bunch of money uh-huh. and I get away with it, like, <laughs> then what? Can you ask a more specific question so I don't Yeah, okay. So <laughs> if I steal a bunch of money and I get away with it, mm-hmm. then is reality, do I just owe a debt to reality oh. and somehow some other way I'm going to get? Yeah, great question. Okay. So this is actually something I want to talk about. So what you want, because money is a energetic symbol of value, what you want is money and value to move in parallel lines. Right. If you get more money, it should be because there was more value. So when you steal something, you've created no value. In fact, you've if you you know broke a door to do it or something, you've actually destroyed something. So you make you create no value or even decrease value of something, and then get the symbol of value in exchange. That's the lines crossing. So this is what happened in uh, 2008 with the um, when. A a bunch of very clever investment bankers were like, hey, wait a minute. It's legal to take a bunch of these toxic assets and package them as if they're not toxic and sell them as, as if they're actually valuable. That's what they did. That's what they, they tried to get money without creating value. And so the, um, the stock market then had to correct because it was speculating about us that, that these things were valuable when in fact they were not. So what happens when you have money that you have not earned is life itself will seek to correct the disequilibrium. And if you look around and pay attention, you will see this kind of thing happens all the time. Happens when people win They're the lottery. They're super rich. Like all the people who, are, who committed those like, crimes, most of them, only one of them went to jail, and all of them are still super rich. So like, I don't know, did the stock market crash? Like it, it seems like life itself may have like missed. It was like trying to hit them and then it hit (laughs) working America instead. Well, yes. I mean, there's a lot of structure in our society to support money and value not going in parallel lines. We're, We're very much against that as a species. The ego is against that. But you'd have to look at the person at the individual person's life to see what actually happened because they may have paid prices in other ways i don't know so it's like karma so money currency is just like a symbol for karma and um, money is karma i i have a very specific definition of karma that would take an hour to talk about okay but- well it's what 
I think karma is. I think you know what I think <laughs> yes, karma is. Yes, there's a cause and effect. Karma is actually not a cause and effect thing in, in essence, but the way people mostly use it is yes, there's a cause and effect give and take thing with life. So, you know, it's like, and you can see it in the smallest things. Like, you ever notice how the, the beer or whatever you reward yourself with tastes so much better on a day where you've really earned it? That's what I'm talking about. There's an objective truth to earning what you get, to earning value. And it's, you could say it's transjective because it's not purely objective, but uh, it's not totally made up either. And so if you see someone who has a lot of, um, has money in their life that they're not earning, there are predictable sequelae. Now, life may not, um, you know, mess with them in order to correct that. But it could show up as, for example, cancer. You know, it could show up as all sorts of things because it's, it creates a congestion in the system. One of the examples has been on my mind a lot recently uh, because I know some people who are in this category is, is the trustafarians. Trust, you guys know that term, trustafarians? That's people who, it's American slang, um, people who are getting money from their parents like for their entire life and never have to work. So seems to be a reasonable thing. And, you know, the family's got a lot of money. And you remember when uh, 10 years ago or so, Bill Gates was in the news. He's only going to give his three kids $150 million each. <laughs> only 150 Because he said no kid should grow up a billionaire. <laughs> Good thinking, Bill. There are predictable sequelae for those kids. I could write a description of each of their psyches, probably, you know, if I had their a couple other pieces of information. What does it do? It creates a disconnect between the person and reality in a way where predictably they tend to be entitled, naive, less than competent, kind of childlike in uh, their dreams and the level of realism of what's possible. It stunts the growth of people when they don't have to actually be held accountable to their own production of value meet, being commensurate with money. Now, uh, this goes back to the thing that Zach asked, you know, enough questions for me to talk for three days, uh, perhaps. So I want to go back to the thing about, uh, it does not mean that when someone has less money that they are less valuable as people. No, that's essence. At the level of essence, everyone is equally value, valuable. But at the level of expression, that's different. So a plumber who one can smelt copper and another who can't, the plumber who can smelt copper is more valuable to me as a consumer. Now, would the other plumber go, well, you're just judging me. I'm a human being too. I'm just as God made me. How dare you hold me as being less valuable? No, 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 no. I'm not saying you're less valuable in essence. I'm saying your competence is less valuable in expression. Those are two different things. Furthermore, I would say, related to poverty and, and, uh, and classes and whatnot, is people choose in some ways before they're born how much money they're going to have in a certain range. There are certain things you can learn in a poverty family that you cannot learn in a rich family and vice versa. So... It's not that there's inherently less or worse. It's just that the lessons they signed up for 
they need a certain socioeconomic situation to learn, you know? And, you know, for example, there are certain lessons that I don't think you can learn without losing six figures plus worth of money. I lost that amount of money once. I lost about $140,000. And I, it changed my relationship to money forever because all of it came back and then some. And it changed my relationship to life and how much I trusted it forever. And that was really important for me. I needed to learn that, especially because I came from hoarder tendencies. So there was a grip on money. So it was really useful for me to lose a shit ton because my ego thought I was going to die. And I didn't, you know? So I needed to learn that. I needed $100,000 to lose. Someone else doesn't have that issue. Maybe doesn't need to learn that. Maybe they need to learn the preciousness of life by having very little money and to experience how relationships are actually far more important than money by never really having much. Who knows? Okay, how did I do there, Zach, with those brilliant questions? We could go for days, but I appreciate you giving it a shot, so thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, my most honorable and respected intellectual nemesis. He's always challenging me. I love it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, anything else? So um, uh, it's important, it's sort of going back to some of the things I was talking about. It's important to not relate to money as a thing. And that's why the practice of actually sensing the energy of it, it can be, it seems small, but you can make that a meditation of just anytime there's a transaction of money, and you give it away, feel the echo of that energy move. And when it comes to you, feel it come to you. It's, it will help you de-thingify money. Because when money is a thing, you can pin stuff on it. You can pin projections on it. But if you feel what money actually is, you sense it, then you'll see it won't accept any of those things. It's exactly like God, dare I say. If you actually experience God, you can't put your projections on it anymore. Feel a little self-conscious saying that, but that's the truth. (laughs) And it's the same way in that if you have really clear pictures about what God or money is and you thingify it in that way, it prevents you from actually experiencing it. Your belief in what God is or what money is prevents you from actually having a direct experience of it. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.